Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Angler's Happy Hour podcast. In today's episode, we talk with bass fishing legend, John Murray. John shares some amazing stories from his time out west. We also talk a little bit of grilling and we do some fishing trivia. Hope you guys enjoy. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Angler's Happy Hour podcast. Um, we were just discussing, we don't know what we're going to call this episode because we were planning to be back in the cave and we are not back in the cave right now. So uh, we're going to call this episode uh, not back in the cave yet. False start. <laughs> yeah, false start. That's a good, that's a good one. <laughs> what, uh, what's happening with you guys? H- how are you guys this holiday weekend? I'm doing great, man. I, uh, um, I, I look forward to this every week. It's just fun chatting with you guys. And, uh, I've got nothing but smiles and sunshine over here. Obviously it's, uh, the day before Memorial day. Um, so always a great reason to be happy, um, living in this country and, uh, yeah, man, everything's good. Do you guys have any, uh, active military or veterans in your family? My dad's a veteran, Vietnam veteran. Nice dude. I didn't know that. What about you, Josh? Uh, it's some extended family, not in my uh, direct family, but you know, cousins and uncles and stuff like that. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. How about you, Nick? Yeah. Well, I, and I'm sure I've talked to you guys about my, my grandfather over the years. I, I have quite a few people. My dad wasn't a veteran somehow. I think, um, his birthday or Vietnam wound down right on the cusp of where he ended up not having to go into the draft. But, uh, my grandfather was a world war two vet. And, uh, do you guys know what the ball turret was? on those uh, giant slow airplanes, the B-18 and the B-32, I think he was B-18. But dude, it's this like plexiglass bubble (laughs) on the bottom of this giant dragonfly shaped airplane that went like negative 27 miles an hour. (laughs) Dude, it's like the biggest bomb target in the history of targets. And uh, he, so they have this little plexiglass semi, like half circle on the bottom and he had the he had the machine gun down there because he was so small like you got that position my grandpa was tiny he was like five four five five something like that and so dude he would get like when they'd fly a mission he'd crawl into that little bubble and they'd like he would say that they'd like put their feet on his shoulders to close the hatch so that he could like compress down in there and dude he was 100 percent. he had their six so like as they were flying out there dude he was just running the ball turret trying to shoot at anything you know that was coming up behind him he did 29 missions, dude. He did D-Day, everything. And he was wow. one mission away from, uh, I don't remember what medal it was, but it was a giant deal. If you did 30 missions, like it was, you know, it was a big deal. And so they said, all right, you have a choice to do your 30th mission and gain all this, you know, honor and notoriety, or you can go home. And he was like, peace, I'm out. <laughs> he was done. You know, because he had seen so many of his friends die, dude. Like he would talk about those missions were so long because those airplanes were slow and they you know it was crude technology and so i mean he would do like dude you'd just be flying and like planes would be going down around you and it was just your your homies you know and they were going down and so my grandpa was a mean tough dude he had a big heart but i don't know how anyone could not be pretty damn mean and tough after that we were joking later in this episode when we talked to Murray about needing toughness training. I think we just should have hung out with my grandpa for a while because he he had no time for sissiness and death. So on days like today, I like to remember and think about him. He passed away in 2012. He was 88. So, what a story, man, and what a guy. Yeah. He's he yeah. is an absolute stud in all aspects of life, dude. What a what a imagine guy. being 18, 19 years old, right, and just being like, sweets, so you're gonna climb in this giant airplane and just fly over there and drop bombs and try not to die. Good luck. Like I, dude, I, I don't know, couldn't handle that. I don't think so. 
I got a lot of respect for my, my grandpa, a pretty amazing guy. Yeah. That's an awesome story. Thanks for that. And yeah. Thanks, thanks for sharing, him. man. Yeah. Yeah. So all of our, obviously all of our active military and, uh, um, veterans and everyone out there, which big time, thank you. We get to sit here and sweat it out in the non cave and, uh, laugh and tell jokes about fishing while they're over there doing way more serious and, uh, important stuff. So big thanks to them. hundred percent, hundred percent. Well said, man. Thank you. And, uh, and thank, thanks to all those out there. Um, right on. Uh, okay. So what, uh, what are you guys actually doing this weekend? I'm staying away from the, uh, well, <laughs> staying away from the lakes, the shenanigans, all the people. There's, it seems yep. like it, it's a, amateur uh, weekend, right? It's like do anything but well, go to the lake. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So just trying to wait it out and go later in the week when everybody goes home. So, yeah. And the, 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 you know, everyone that is going out this weekend, they're getting treated to some great weather. And I hate to mm. just always be the guy talking about the weather, but they're, they're actually mm. getting some, the weather's only in the nineties here in Arizona. So after this all clears up, it spikes up to like 110. and I've got, I've got to go fishing one day next week to do a top water video. And I'm like, do I, do I dare try it on Monday when there's going to be 800 billion people on the lake, you know, being crazy when it's 95 or do I go on Tuesday when it's 107? No, I think I'm going to go Tuesday. Dude, you're going to go Wednesday with me because we've inked a deal on that boat down in Tucson. So you'll shoot your video in Patagonia. We'll fish out my new <laughs> boat and we'll come back. Dude, I already, I already got this mapped out for you. I didn't get permission from your wife, but forgiveness, not permission. We can't even get permission from her to have a podcast in my garage these days, dude. <laughs> I don't well, know if we're going to pull that off, man. But um, yeah, that's a... That's Maybe they really have cool a, that, a buy one, get one free on divorce attorneys, dude. Maybe we can just double down oh together boy. on that. No, <laughs> no, he's kidding. He's kidding. Everybody. Totally kidding. I know. Bad joke. What, uh, what'd you, what'd you find down in Tucson? Uh, dude. So I don't want to say anything cause everyone's going to run down there and buy it since boats sell the moment they go active. But, uh, um, it's a, it's a 2015, uh, Z8 nitro and, uh, it's nice. got some warranty left on it. It's got legit graphs and, uh, got power poles so i can look legit when i'm going down the freeway even though i'll never use them i'll get i'll be pumping gas and all the people that don't fish will be like dang what are, those? what are those and i'm like when the bite's real tough you float over the juice and then you push the button and they go down and they stab them <laughs> don't tell anyone changer. you're right game changer hashtag <laughs> That's so funny. He's making that joke because we live in Arizona and it's so deep. I mean, hey, you drive a couple hundred miles east and power poles are the best thing ever. But uh, and everyone yeah, knows what they oh, are, right? Yeah, a lot. A lot of our <laughs> lakes out here are very deep. And um, yeah, how many you, times you know, have you got that question at a gas station, you guys? When someone sees oh, your yeah. your either what your talents those? or that, they're like, what are those things? That's the most asked question, and I've read it also in a bunch of articles. Like it's like you know you might be reading a a, a fishing magazine and they're interviewing a bass fisherman and they're like, hey, what's the most uh, common question you get? And it's like, what are those things on the back of your boat? <laughs> those are my spears. I push a button and they shoot out. <laughs> so pretty funny. Yeah, man. But I um I'm just pretty much chilling myself this weekend. Also, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna wait until things uh chill you know chill out uh, traffic wise and i'll get i'll get out there tuesday or wednesday i'm doing a little grilling i so our buddy dave who listens to the podcast he went out um to a place uh, in town barbecue island and bought a green mountain grill uh same one i've got and um he, he kind of fired me up cook off right yeah dude he fired me up because he bought the pizza oven 
uh, for the grill and he was going to make some pizzas. And I'm like, dang, I've got this pizza oven sitting here. And, um, I was just, I've just been literally too lazy to try to make my own dough. And he goes, Hey, you can just literally go to the grocery store and buy pre-made dough that's uncooked. And I'm like, what? Really? I'm just that dumb, dude. So, uh, <laughs> I went and got some of this pre-made dough and, uh, made pizzas on it last night and it was awesome. It was really fun. Nice. And, uh, yeah, I was cut, I was covered in flour. I didn't make the dough, but I, you know, use flour to, to whatever, flatten it out and do all that stuff. And so it doesn't I'm stick a, to everything. Yeah. I'm a messy cook, dude. I end up just, when I cook, it's a disaster. There's just food everywhere, water everywhere. And, uh, I was coated in flour, but the pizzas turned out really good. It was <laughs> that means fun. you're doing it right, dude. That's all that means. Chantel gets, you know, she's just like, how do you make such a mess doing like the simplest things? I don't know how to do things in order, you know, so it just, it, it just ends up being a disaster. You guys that way? Oh, a hundred percent over here. Yeah. What about you, Rob? I'm a pretty clean cooker. I, I clean up as I go. I don't know. The mess drives me crazy. So who knows? My wife might think different, but. Well, and in my house, dude, I've got all these helpers, right? So like next thing you know, I've got my seven-year-old or my five-year-old. We've got them like little plastic knives so that they don't lose any fingers when they're getting nice. their Bobby Flay on. But dude, it just it just goes nuts everywhere and you just, you just embrace it. It's funny how little kids just love to help cook so much, man. It's unbelievable. It, it's the sweet spot, man. Right now, like they, my daughter's seven. She's my oldest. I haven't, she hasn't aged to the point where now, like I, I'm still a hero in her eyes. You know what I mean? Like in a few years and I'll be like the scum of the earth and like the worst person ever. But right now, like, cause it happens, dude. They like get everyone else sees you, dude. Yeah, correct. Yeah. She's my last, my, my holdout. That's why I keep reproducing. <laughs> just keep cloning myself because they seem to like me. But no, it's just funny. It's like right now they want to do everything with you <laughs> and that'll change. It is, it is special. It's cool, man. I mean, you can make anything fun. Dude, I think uh, Dave beats you. Your pizza might be good, but Dave's backyard is super legit. I didn't realize he had that going on. He's got like that sweet sitting area over there. I saw some pictures on uh, Facebook, I think, and or maybe Instagram, but he, you might, your pizza might win, but his backyard is on point. Yeah, I think his pizza won too, dude. His pizzas <laughs> looked a lot better. I got a couple. It's funny, you know, when you post uh, food pictures too, like, you know, people are just so used to seeing fishing pictures. I post a food picture and I get 25, 30 messages about the food. And, uh, one of my buddies had messaged me. He goes, that's the most irregular, weird looking pizza I've ever seen in my life. But Hey, to each his own. He made the continent of Asia. <laughs> yeah. And then I had another, another buddy, uh, message me and he said, uh, he's like, a, like a legit professional competitive, uh, cook and and uh barbecue and stuff and he goes dude that's just an artisan pizza you know he goes yeah, people pay go. extra for that but it's perfectly round it's just basic but yours is uh yeah, yours is John's. Next level yours yeah. Is rustic. Yep, yep. yeah too funny I getting, man i was getting pissed because as i was trying to flatten that dough out like i was trying to stretch it one way and it would contract and do the opposite thing that i was trying to get it to do so i'm gonna have to do some research and learn how to do that a little bit better it's the cooking equivalent of trying to Texas rig a soft plastic, right? You hand a, a, a worm hook to somebody that's never done that, and they just look at you, and then it comes back all, like, jacked up, and it's all bunched on the front and ugly in the back. It's the same thing. I cringe. I cringe <laughs> looking at people's drop shot rigs, dude. I cringe <laughs> looking at people's drop shot rigs when they got the worm kinked at the nose, and it's, it's you know, it's up on the line. and it Looks it's like, like it's been in a car accident. How did you catch 11 fish today, dude? <laughs> How's that possible? <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's yeah, when you fish great. with me. <laughs> yeah, actually. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, how how hot's that pizza oven get? It's it's amazing 
what it does. So they tell you not to put the grill over 350 when you have that pizza oven in because your pizza stone, well, it'll be seven or 800 degrees in that pizza oven if the grill is 300. So I did it 300. And you'd put that pizza in there, and within two to two and a half minutes, it was done. It's on really? fire. <laughs> yeah, and you're having your, you know, while it's in there, you're like, you're spinning it around that way it doesn't sit in one place and burn. But it's crazy, dude. Like you put it in there, and you literally watch the cheese melt instantly. Like it just melts. So uh, it's pretty crazy, man. That's you know, cool. you can see your steaks and stuff on it. It, it's just, it was fun. It was, it was really fun. Yeah. I can't wait to do it again. The pizza actually tasted really good. Nice. Very cool. Uh, back on the fishing front, so uh, probably the most interesting message we got on our, our account this week was from uh, our buddy Aaron Reese. He was fishing at uh, Saguaro the other night, and he sent me a photo and a video of a rattlesnake that crawled in his boat. Oh, we, oh <laughs> we crawled in his boat? Before. Dude, at night, fishing by himself, and he's got, oh, it, was a, it was a little one. No. But um, yeah, we'll post it from our page, and um, it was it was crazy, man. He So... I said, he goes, and he said that was his second one in his what? boat, dude. I don't know how I've been fishing for 20 years and never got one. And Thank you too, like, you guys yeah. haven't had one in your boat either, right? Never. No, dude, maybe he just <laughs> leaves a bunch of dead mice in his boat so that they, like, attracts them in. Dude, maybe. That Saguaro? That man, he had a mouse, or a, a snake in his boat, dude, a rattlesnake. So I said, how do you get it out? He said he just took his, uh, his rod tip and just kind of let it, steered it out, and then it Ugh. got got it over the edge but it was still kind of clinging on back by his motor so he started rocking the boat until the water just finally like grabbed it and then he's got a video of it swimming off but Whoa. terrible yeah that's scary Ugh. i mean imagine just sitting down because of course it was coiled up under his driver's console nice no was it rattling <laughs> he said it didn't have a rattle because it was uh small it so was a young. rattlesnake for sure uh. but it was so young it hadn't developed the rattle yet it's a rattlesnake for sure, but Dude, those um, things are probably scary. like scorpions too when they're little. Like hey, they always say getting stung by a scorpion is way worse than an adult, uh, a baby scorpion than an adult because they don't regulate how much venom they give you. They just give you the goods when they bite you. I wonder if a snake, the baby snake's the same. Ugh, crazy. Yeah, that's scary. Probably so. Yeah, probably is, man. Uh, so thankfully he didn't get bit, but thought that was kind of interesting. AFCO needs to make a full-on snake-proof fishing suit, dude. It'll be like that big orange one for <laughs> recording during the coronavirus era that I sent you guys. Oh, That'd be yeah. perfect. I was going to say, that fits. That's perfect right now. You could just wear it to Walmart. You can wear it yeah. everywhere. <laughs> snake-proof, Rona-proof, fashion statement. It's It's got it all. It's the trifecta. <laughs> uh, okay, so before... So, so one thing that we had talked about doing on, uh, on the show, and we don't know how it's going to go, but we thought it might be fun to do a little bit of trivia between the three of us. And uh, eventually we'll, if, if it's, if it's fun and, and we're having, having a good time with it, if the listeners like it, we'll find a way to integrate the listeners into it. But our thoughts are for the next three episodes, we're going to have a little contest between the three of us. What's going to happen is one guy, you know, one of the three of us will read five questions and the other two will answer. And whoever gets the highest score wins that round. Um, and, and we're going to go all the way around uh, the deal here. Actually, I think probably the best way to do it is going to be to tally the amount of correct answers because we could technically have a tie if we do yep. it that way. So we'll tally the most correct answers. And uh, the winner is going to have to is going to either get a prize or the loser is going to have to do something. So I, I vote for the latter. Yeah, I yeah, think the, 
the guy with the least correct answers is going to have some type of punishment. And the three of us are thinking about punishments. And, and if the listeners have any ideas for punishments, please send them in. Uh, send us Nick's a message. Thinking, Nick's thinking shave your head, but he already did that. I was just going to say, the he- worst case, you get a haircut <laughs> like I just did, dude. I think I already lost and I didn't even start. That's hilarious, dude. I, I, I have yet to do it yet. I didn't get a chance to answer when you asked what we had plans for this weekend. And mine was to find a paper bag and start cutting holes in it so I could go out in public again. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it looks good. better than mine. Mine is an inch over my ears right now. It's terrible. And you just look so. like a stoner. Like, you look like you're probably back in high school again. Like, you got any poop shell <laughs> necklaces or anything? It's just not a... It's, it's it's uncomfortable i'll tell you it's honestly yeah. uncomfortable yeah. so i need to get i need to get a haircut really soon here but um so right, if so anyone's start reading the questions right. rob's gonna ready? read first okay. let's go yep. so, so josh first question me. one what was the year the first chatterbait was sold wow that's a pretty pretty good question 2006 uh how do how are we gonna do this is is nick gonna give an answer too or probably what? so right yeah i think so yep okay just, i wanted if, to beat him i wanted to beat him to the punch but that's the fairest way the uh if the answer is 2006 then you stole my answer but if it's not 2006 then easily it was 2003 and it was sold in a tackle shop in uh, west texas off of route 174 on a windy afternoon <laughs> you should get it for windy. that you're wrong it wasn't windy oh <laughs> No, <laughs> it was 2004. Oh, Josh was close. So with the 2006 is when it kind of came to the front of like, I believe Brian Thrift did well at Okeechobee in 2006 with it. So. It's just like All anything right. that's good, man. It's like bands. People are like, bro, I've been listening to them forever. What are you doing? It's the same thing with the Chatterbait. By 2006, it's like I've been here for two years. <laughs> so well, good job, right. Nick. There's one. Next for Nick. one. Next one. Um, first U.S. Open winner in what year? I guess the which year is is. Let's just go with the first winner. Is the real question? No one's getting this one right, dude. Oh, I know really? it too, man. I, I'm googling it as we speak. No, no I'm just kidding. You can't do that. <laughs> I'm not that big of a jerk. No, dude. I remember like yesterday, dude. It was it was uh, Al Linder. No. <laughs> <laughs> Let so, me let me think, dude. Let me think. I'll give you a hint. I'll give you a hint. That, and he's a local guy. He's from Arizona. He's from Gilbert, Arizona. I'll say Greg Hines. Greg Hines, you're correct. Yeah, 1980, 1981. And that's a guest we need to get on the show. I'd love to hear his old school stories. Supposedly Amen. in 81, in 81, he, he practiced on the lake for like a year straight or something <laughs> similar like John. I mean, he just went all in, right? to win the the initial the first u.s open how cool it. Wow. Really awesome to hear that story i believe he did it with uh, zara spook and i think he did a lot of scuba diving prior to the you know so kind of interesting wow really not the old aussie ruins down there and greg is uh greg's a phenomenal outdoorsman he's a big time hunter you know he's he would have some good stories so okay do you, on you know him on a personal level rob Enough do you know him yeah, enough to where I could call him and talk to him and get him on here. I think so. That would be dude, good. Dude, did uh, so. so did the U.S. Open just come out of the gate swinging? I don't know if you know you're prepared for this question, but did they have like a sick prize package right out of the gate? It was like it was a big deal. I believe deal. so. I believe so. I don't know. I mean, shoot, I was 10 years old when that happened, but I believe it was. Uh, yeah, I believe they came out with a big prize right from the get go, and that was yeah. So set of paper graphs. Uh, 
next question. We may have to adjust questions. I don't. So anyway. no, it, it's kind of cool because it reflects your personality. Like you're, I think everyone when they bring their questions to the table for the other guys, I think it'd be funny because I'm gonna hit you guys with tons of fly fishing stuff that you can't answer. Yeah, and these are cool. Right I mean, hey, it's it's it, our Ooh. podcast is extremely random, so the questions should be extremely random too. <laughs> okay. But nothing right, about cool. us is organized. All right, we're fitting in good then. So who has the most top five finishes in the Bassmaster Classic? Also a good question. That is more suited to Josh than me, but I'm going to win. Um... Great question, Rob. I'll let Nick answer first, though. Okay. I'm, yeah, you want, you want to play me. I, I'm thinking uh, um, Gary Klein. No. Nope. I'll say uh, Roland Martin. No. Rick Klein. Four uh, wins and 11 top five. That's crazy, dude. Half the ones he's fished, practically. Second, second place is uh, Kevin Van Dam with nine top fives. So think about it. I mean, those are guys that are swinging the, for the fence to, well, there we go, swinging. <laughs> I didn't mean to break. Well, they actually, hit the mute button on Rob's mic. Yeah. They actually hit those home runs, though. are guys that are focusing on winning the tournament. They're not just there, you know what I mean? And they're they're getting getting close quite a few times, so pretty cool. That is um, Next question. First fiberglass bass boat. What year and what brand? I'm going to say Skeeter in uh, 1971. Uh, uh, Nick, go. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going to go. It was... Uh... It was clearly that new brand that starts with an A that makes so sweet aluminum. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm going to say Champion, and it was it was a chilly winter in uh, Oklahoma back in 1974 <laughs> when they made that. No, no, it was. So Josh was right with the Skeeter, and it was he was 10 years late, so it was 1961. So that's wow. kind of wow. Do I get a All point right. for that? I get half. Yes, you, 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 no, you get you. a point for sure. For sure, because the question was what brand, not yeah. what year. I just okay, right on. All right. So last, um, there's Nick. nine species. Nine species in the black bass family. Um, the ones that we're with are are largemouth bass, smallmouth bass, and spotted bass. Correct. Can you name okay. two? Can you name two of the other six? Absolutely. Go. I know one of them. All right. I if I dwell on this, what were the you you what? Give me the three you rattled off real quick. Spotted, largemouth, and largemouth, smallmouth, and spotted are are common known black bass okay. family. Right? I know another one. It's the Guadalupe bass. I'm trying to think of the next one. That's where they're at. They are in uh, the real caught brand, a bunch right? of them on like Lake Lake Travis and stuff. Yep. This might be a team effort here, Josh, because I stole the one that you knew. Um, I probably know all of them, dude. Oh, well, of course <laughs> you do. <laughs> I don't. I don't think I got anything else. I, I maybe like the it's, Mississippian. This is what it's biting you, Nick, because you didn't research, dude. So I researched <laughs> and I saw like all of these this morning when I was looking for questions to ask you. Guys. <laughs> yeah, because I was like, oh, that's a cool idea. I didn't realize we were doing it, so leave it to me to be unprepared. Nice. Go, Josh. Uh, there's a red eye bass. Oh, the red eye. That's right, the stoner. And a uh. Sawani so, uh, bass. I don't so know how you funny. pronounce that. Yep. Sawani. Yep. yep. So Josh, Josh gets a point for sure. So right on. Swanee, well, Sawani, Alabama, Florida, 
Guadalupe, Red Eye, and Shoal Bass. That's interesting that they consider a Alabama bass and also a Florida bass because I'm guessing they're talking about yes. a Coosa River spot yep. and a Florida strain largemouth. So that's interesting. That's what I was guessing too. I, I thought that was weird, but I just figured there was enough there. That's why I only asked for two on each of those. So yeah, either that, way. I've so. heard the number nine too. So, I mean, that's probably true. Uh, but it's but just interesting how they said friend. that. Yeah. yeah. So there's my five questions, and we got so maybe we, yeah. Anyhow, we'll see. I how think you've got to count the number of scales on a Florida strain to compare it. All right. I think <laughs> Nick, <laughs> you're gonna have a lot of work to do, dude, in these in that next one to uh, not have to do this punishment, whatever it is. You're you've got one point right now, and I've got three. And Rob's not gonna be. I mean, Rob's gonna be tough when he's answering these questions. Well, I've lived 32 years of my life, mostly as a clown. I, I feel like I'm very prepared for this. So, Right on. I won't to, go. The punishment may you, – you may have to grow your hair out. <laughs> well, I hope we have plenty of time because I'm going to need to regenerate as another human being after this life because I think the show is about over for, for follicles on this dome. That is so funny, dude. You, yeah, uh, beard, mustache, beard, and hair for uh, well, six months. If a neck your wife will kill us, dude. Uh, she's she's over. She's had to deal with this face for this many years. It's over. There's nothing left. So funny. Right on. Well, uh, I, I think that's about all we've got. And uh, so our guest today that we've got is a good friend of ours. He is kind of a lot of people call him the godfather of Western fishing. His name is John Murray. And, and all the listeners know who he is. Um I don't know, man. He's just, he's, he's got a special place to me. It, it, you know, he was, he's been my fishing hero. One of my biggest fishing heroes since I started just being so successful coming from Arizona. Uh, you guys both know him, uh, Rob, you, you know, John really well. You fish with him. What, uh, what, what do you have to say about John before we turn it over to him, man? Yeah. I think what's funny about John is you say he's a godfather. That's, that's so true. I mean, he had a hand in every professional angler that came through Arizona John had a way of helping those guys out in one way or another. And, you know, he just did it out of the kindness of his heart. He, I mean, he taught so many guys so much and guys that he was competing against too. It was just crazy, but uh, what a phenomenal angler and what a great career he's had. So yeah, th $3 million, $3 million in career winnings, uh, won two U.S. opens, won multiple Bassmaster tournaments, uh, won everything out West. And there's, I think he's won like 56 boats or something crazy like that. Just over his time fishing out West and, um, yeah, uh, unreal, man. He's, you know, you're talking about those guys that he influenced a lot, uh, Skeet Reese, Aaron Martins, and he, he did this and helped all these guys out while being a killer himself, you know, it's not yep. like he was yep. just, just coaching guys right. and he was oh, yeah. killing it himself. So pretty cool. The Don Juan Murray. Right on. Well, Hey, we really enjoyed talking to him. Uh, here he is. Hopefully, hopefully you guys enjoy it. Yeah. Thanks again, John. So John just mentioned he's out in the middle of Watts bar Lake and, um, he stepped away from, uh, an, a brunch with some other anglers and families and stuff. So, uh, I, I just thanked you, but thanks again, man. I want to thank you on air. <laughs> Well, well, the key is on, on Watts Bar Lake on a Memorial Day weekend, you're always doing something. You know, there's someone's party or house or fishing or something. So this is the time of year we enjoy Tennessee. You know, this is great weather out here and uh, just a great lifestyle out here. And that's that's what I'll be doing. So it's, I, I love talking to you guys. So I'm going to take my time out anytime to talk to you guys. 
that means a ton, John. We introduced you in the intro uh, just with some of your accomplishments and stuff like that. And, you know, what you mean to all of us as Western anglers and, and a friend. Um, so, uh, so last night you had, well, you had a concert on Watts Bar, too. You guys are partying up this weekend. It is. There's concerts out here, and, you know, there's a little bit of everything. You know, all the restaurants are open on the water, so you can go cruise the different restaurants and try them. So, yeah, it's just a totally different lifestyle than I grew up in Arizona, you know, where, you know, I had a place on Roosevelt, and there was nothing happening there, you know. Or So, yeah, this is a totally different lifestyle, so we're just enjoying it. And uh, the beauty of May, Memorial Day right now out here is it's like 75 degrees. It's like beautiful weather, so that's that's the key out here right now. Do you still look at the weather in Arizona? Do you ever like take a glance and see like what your family out here and friends out here are having to deal with? It's it's always on my weather chart, but I mean, after what about <laughs> May? It's going to be sunny and hot, you know, so I don't have to look at it. But yeah, sometimes <laughs> I look at it in January and February and go, man, I wish I could see some sunshine because you go months out here without seeing the sun. So there's definitely some pros and cons for each place's weather. I hear that. I hear that. Um, John, well, go ahead, Rob. John, so you live on Watts Bar, right? Yeah. You live right on and the when, lake. Uh, my, How many? Go ahead. Well, I think when my uh, when my wife wanted to move from Arizona, I said I'll move, but I got to live on a lake. And so we started at, at Chickamauga and, and started working up. And the Watts Bar is the next lake up. Wesley Strader lives here, and uh, I, you know, I just really like the lake. It's big. It's it's huge. There's not a lot of fishing pressure compared to Chickamauga. And so we're not, we're right above the lake, but I have a dock a lot with a dock on it right below us where I get my, I got my boat in my slip whenever I want it. So I got the best of both worlds and enjoying it. Very nice. That's cool. And TJ is getting super into it. Well, you know, he gets into it. My son TJ gets into it now when the fishing gets good. He hadn't fished all year and all of a sudden now he's fishing every day because the fish are biting. So he's he's sort of a fair weather fisherman. He's not he's not like any of us. The three of us were, you know, we would fish through anything. But yeah, he's you know he'll fish when the fishing's good. That's cool. Hey, tell tell the story about uh, TJ's first tournament that you guys fished out there a couple years ago, where uh, where you ended up picking him up like on the fishing spot. Am, do, you, do you remember the story I'm talking about? Yeah, there's so the, the tournament was a charity tournament. They don't let pros fish out here very much for the team tournaments. So there was a charity tournament out of Loudon, which is about 45 miles up river on the same lake, but it's through a lock. So it was pretty cool in the morning. So I locked down and I came all the way down. TJ was only seven or eight at the time. And I actually picked him up on our dock. So he didn't have that cold run in the morning. And I came all the way down to the dam. I mean, I ran the whole lake. And we stopped on a spot, and we caught 13 and a half pounds. We ran all the way back up, and we got second place. And, uh, yeah, and, and everyone's like, he wasn't in your boat. I go, no, he wasn't in the boat this morning, but I okayed it with the tournament guy. I could pick him up later. So, yeah, he thinks tournament fishing's easy, you know, just pull up and catch him. But that was a pretty special day, and, you know, they, they bit pretty good for us. Curbside service. Yeah. Dude, I think everybody's kid – uh, whose whose parents know how to catch them? Rob's son, Josh's future kids, and now TJ. They they have it made, man. Like when you can get in the back seat with someone who's got it dialed in, that's a uh, that's pretty special. Now Boyd's become a pretty damn good angler in his own right, but then I'm sure TJ will too. But that that's a pretty sweet setup. You can't go wrong with that. 
Well, the only problem I see is that when you put them on fish almost immediately, I mean, they don't really know how to find them on their own. So I, I'm trying not to just put them on fish, but yeah, I think uh, in the scope of his friends, he's way ahead of the game as far as fishing. They're yeah. trying to get him on the fishing team, the high school fishing team. He's only in elementary school. They're recruiting so, him yeah, already. He, yeah. Yeah, he's been recruited. So yeah, I mean, I don't know if he wants to do it. At last I talked to him, he didn't want to do it. So we'll see what, where that goes. Cool. John, I went I went through that with Boyd. Um, like he and I started hunting together when he was like 12 years old, and I was pretty green with the hunting, so we really learned it together. And we had some tough times, and we had good times. And he, you know, he absolutely loves to hunt. Uh, the fishing deal, he and I fished uh, an all-star team circuit when he was 10, and by the championship tournament, he didn't even go. He was done with it. He, he was just <laughs> right. I don't know what it was, but I guess I kind of get it. It came too easy to him. I mean, he caught like an 11 pounder when he was eight years old. We finished second his first tournament like TJ did. And it's just like, it comes too easy. But what's crazy nowadays, he is absolutely eaten up with fishing. Um, him and Clay Randall have been fishing tournaments together. And uh, it's, it's pretty cool to see his new resurgence for bass fishing. So hopefully uh, TJ will follow along with that, you know. No, I, I totally agree. Just just have a smile on your face when you think about fishing. That's what I always tell him. I don't, I don't care what he does, but yeah. And he's ate up with hunting. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, cool. I'm here trying to get Wesley Strader and Andy Morgan, these guys, to take him hunting. Because I'm like, you, yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know anything about hunting. He's already shot his first deer. So that's awesome. probably where he'll go next is into hunting. He's got some, you got some killers living over there if, you, if, if he needs some uh, hunting coaches, huh? Oh, yeah. They, these guys, uh, they, they live, breathe, and eat it. I mean, like we do fishing, especially Morgan and, and Strader. I mean, those guys, yeah. But, yeah, he's got to get a little better. He's got to practice with his bow and stuff. But he, he's willing to put in the time, he says. So we'll see what he does before he, he gets out in the big times. That's such a cool attitude, John. Uh, just that you're not pushing him. You're making sure he's having fun with it. And, uh, man, I love it. It just that puts a smile on my face hearing about that. That's super cool. Yeah, that's all you can do with kids, right? I mean, you never know where they're going to have their interest. And that's their interest is the key, not your interest. So, yeah, I care less what he does as long as he has it has a passion for it. I'm I'm a thousand percent behind it. Right on. Right on. Well, hey, let's uh let's rewind the clock just a little bit. Uh we talked a little bit in in the intro about all the amount of boats that you've won and the amount of money you've won fishing countrywide, but you know, it all started out west. And uh I just I want to ask you about the do you remember um, the tournament day or the tournament where you won your first boat? I'm sure you do, but like, uh, what what tournament was it? Where was it at? And how how did you win the first boat? You know, I think um, if you know, you things get cloudy when you get my age. But anyway, uh, and when you've won a uh, hundred like, boats, dude. <laughs> yeah, it was like I was I was 21 years old, and it was on Roosevelt Lake, and it was a U.S. bass tournament. And the first day, I did pretty horrible, right in the middle of the pack. And the second day I got on this bike stroking a jig and I got the biggest string of the tournament and I won my first, it was a ski, fully rigged skeeter and like three grand cash. And by back then that was the U S bass tournaments were the biggest thing going. And I remember coming off stage and they said, I won that boat and saying, I mean, it just, it was incredible. I mean, I, you know, we all, you know, Rob, all of us grew up going, man, how many boats you won? How many, boats? you know, that was our gauge, you know, how good you were eating you didn't really worry about titles. You just want to know how many boats you want. So Interesting. that was the start for me. So did that, did you end up fishing off that one for a while, John, or did that go right up on the uh, classifieds and did you cash out with it? 
Yeah, I was sponsored by Skeeter at the time. So actually, yeah, that one was sold. And, and my dealer, I think, sold it. And, and there was a point back in the day that I literally would sell the boats before I'd win them. Or I'd <laughs> whoever won them, I'd have them sold. Because guys would come to me and say, hey, I need a Ranger, whatever. And I go, I'd find out. And then if I didn't win it, I would literally tell the guy, hey, I got a guy that get cash buyer right now. You had to take the boats back then. I mean, so it's not like you could just hook up two boats and go home. So <laughs> you always had to think ahead. Did you run in tandem having two or three trailers behind you? <laughs> yeah. John, do you yeah. remember uh, the ABA championship you and I fished on Lake Mead? Oh, yeah. That was our first experience with Aaron Martins. Yes, I do. Well, Aaron... Aaron didn't win it. It was um, no. I, it Andrew Jackson. Oh my goodness, that's great! And how much did they beat us by? Do you remember? I remember exactly what it Nothing. was. Nothing. Do you? Yeah, it wasn't point, very much. Point three eight. Oh. Yeah, and we. Yeah. And we sort of goofed off the first day. Second day we got we pretty. We totally serious, did. Yep. yep. Yeah, that was awesome. But our, ours, our first. I think Aaron had a big stringer the first day, and then he bombed the second day, but. I remember Aaron, that punk kid coming and just whooping us after that, you know, but yeah, I mean, it's so, uh, you know, that, that's, you know, those memories are, are, are wonderful. I think you'll never have those experiences again, especially a, a full Lake Mead. We, you know, it'll never happen again, probably. No, it will never happen. We talk about Mead a lot on this podcast and, and a lot of the listeners, whether they live out here or not, uh, are infatuated by it because it's just such a crazy lake. And, uh, John, you actually like, you lived over there for a little while, right? Like right on the lake. Yeah. 1996, I bought a house with Byron right on Boulder city, right overlooking the lake with the express purpose of winning a U.S. open. And I just got second. So I talked Byron, Byron actually beat me. He'd won. And so, yeah, I'd want that after I moved there, I won two of the next three U.S. Opens on there. But I mean, that was the only reason I wanted to live there. I wanted to be the, the absolute king of Lake Mead. There was probably That's zero cool. fun or partying going on in that house in those few years there either, right? It was probably like a monastery for fishing. <laughs> yeah, it was only fishing. There was nothing else ever happened there. But yeah, it was just strictly it focused. We never won anything. <laughs> yeah. We used, to, we used to come home from the clubs coming in, and guys are going out practicing. We'd laugh at them because we're like, oh, we got this place dialed, you know? We don't even need that. <laughs> no, we wouldn't practice at all. Oh, my gosh. Did uh, That's cool. Did Aaron come in and live with you guys, too, for a little bit? He was always one of the roommates when we had tournaments. So Skeet or gotcha. him or both of them. But, yeah, they, they didn't like us. You know, they had an HOA there. They didn't like us both on the streets, and we'd, we'd put every boat. They, they were so mad at us for filling it up. But, yeah, it was a great time. And, and uh, yeah, the lake was full. So, I mean, you could literally find schools no one ever found. And it, and that's what I always did. I'd find these schools that you didn't ever worry about. Anybody else would ever be near it. It's, because you were offshore and no one else was? Was that kind of part of it? or? Well, there was giant flats. Everybody ran to the same, you know, they went to Greg's Basin or way up in the iceberg. I mean, you could go hundreds of miles any way you want to go well they go all the way to the back of the overton or they but they wouldn't fish the main stuff outside that and there's just miles of flats and i'd go out there for hours throwing a spook or a crankbait and just cover and cover cover you wouldn't get bit and all of a sudden you'd catch one and there'd be a hundred with it and they'd stay there we didn't have waypoints you just remember where they were (laughs) but yeah it was always putting the time in to find those schools where they live when rob and i almost won that one there was an area that they'd released a lot of fish and so that's what we'd found so it, it was a fun time because, you know, putting the time in definitely paid off back then. 
That's it's cool. just yeah, mind-blowing was... to think what it was like. Sorry, Rob. It's mind-blowing to think um, how big that lake is at full for what it is now. It's mind-blowing. It makes me sick to be on the lake anymore because how, you know, you'll look up there five miles and go, man, that was a great spot. <laughs> you know, you're like, it's just sad because, yeah, there there was so much fun there. And, uh, you know, you know the water now is worth more than anything about the lake, so it'll never – I don't think it'll ever fill up again. Yeah, when when John and I fished that tournament, I mean, I had nothing to do with finding the fish. That was all John. But it was, um, just like he said, it was amazing. You would have schools of stripers out behind you boiling, and all the largemouth were just all over the bank. And that was before any smallmouth, right, John? Yeah, you know, I know. I don't ever remember catching smallmouth back then, no. ever. Yeah. So, and we were having, yeah, there was we all largemouth. Like, like three pound largemouth jump over your Rico and then come back and eat the darn thing. It was just ridiculous. <laughs> and to think of Lake Mead, how sterile that place is at times. And then we're on a school of fish. That was just like the, like fishing in Mexico almost. I mean, that's how that place was when you tuna fishing. It, so. <laughs> Never yeah. seen a bait. Yeah. I'm crazy. I, I guarantee I've had my, my best fishing days ever on Lake Mead when it was full where you could catch 150 if you wanted to. Yeah that's how good that lake was at that time when it when you know when you could put the time in on it that's cool well hey john uh kind of maybe from that same era one of my other favorite stories that you tell and um we're both garmin guys now and i don't even remember what kind of units you were using back then i know they probably weren't garments back then and you don't have to mention what they were but dude one of the funniest stories is when you uh that i've heard from you was when you went like years and years without seeing a fish on your electronics. And then you saw one at Lake Pleasant. It, it, am I on the right trail with this story? Do you remember this? Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, that's the Wheeler story. Yeah. Yeah. I totally remember it. <laughs> so I was sponsored by a brand. We will not say that was, gave me a truck to use. I mean, it was a beautiful deal, but the units were horrible. <laughs> this so is a long time ago was, a long time ago long time this is in pleasant heyday so like early 90s when pleasant is, you could catch you know like rob caught a 36 pound bag there this was those <laughs> days when you could catch spot giant bass was your fish so finder I spitting grass, out paper <laughs> no it this was after paper grass now, paper grass okay. are actually good you could find it. but this was uh they put little fishy marks on you you know and you never saw anything <laughs> and i went over a spot and i said there's a fish do you know what's down there? And we turned around and caught 31 pounds right there. <laughs> <laughs> See, it gone like years without seeing a fish on that thing. So you finally saw one and, and there's 31 pounds. <laughs> and you know how many were down there? It was stupid. So yeah, yeah, you we were pretty rudimentary back in our old days. And actually those old paper grass were were way further than some of those later ones that came along. They had to go backwards a few steps to go forward ultimately, right? That's right. So did you stick with the paper a little bit longer for that reason? Well, I was the only guy that put a paper graph on the front. There was only a few of us that ever did it. So everyone had paper graphs on the back, but no one would use one up front because it was, you'd burn a roll and a half of paper a day and paper was pretty expensive. So I was one of the first ones to actually go out in the middle of San Carlos with a paper graph and just look for fish on it and catch them. And you could catch every one of them. I mean, it was, it was like cheating. And literally you take a one ounce, clear sparkle jig and just catch them and catch them roosevelt same way and everyone's looking at depth finders up front so yeah that was a huge advantage for me for years 
Mm. Hey, John, speaking of old school paper graphs in that era, um, talk about a Westy worm and do you still throw a Westy worm? You know, and I have a good supply of Westy worms and I actually took one to Douglas Lake a year and a half ago and threw it in 50 feet of water on a school and caught a five pounder. And I thought, <laughs> wow. oh my gosh, I'm going to catch them. And in the term, I never caught one on it. But yeah, it's a, it's a very viable option. I don't know about, you know, when the lakes are high, but when lakes are low, they'll still bite a Westy worm wherever you go. If you got, you know, not trees everywhere, but yeah, it's a great bait to catch them on. Can you imagine throwing one at Roosevelt right now? As as it no, is. no, 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 you would not do that there. <laughs> you can't even, I mean, it, you're doing it cause you're getting bit, but it's, it's very difficult to fish a Carolina rig out there right now. It's so, so thick with trees. I remember, I remember how grown up it was before I left five years ago. And so to see it full again, you know, like it was before I left in 11. I mean, that's, it's just gotta be crazy. It's a briar patch, which is what we needed there the whole time. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's worse than Pleasant was when Pleasant came up 60 feet. I mean, you could actually. Wow, that's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. (laughs) It's, it's, yeah. So. I think Pleasant was. It didn't have all the salt cedars, though. Pleasant always had all the mesquites and hardwoods, but they lasted a long time. And if they hadn't got stripers in there, that lake still would have probably been good. But those stripers just wiped it out. You know, I know as soon as I go back east, John, I've been fishing Roosevelt for the last two months, you know, while we've been off in our first tournament. Um, I'm going to, the wrap's probably going to just fly off my boat. It's got <laughs> so many, um, you know, just scars and stuff like, and just gouges in it from these trees. The boat looks good, but I'm really worried about, I, I'd probably need to get it in and get it worked on before I go to the, some of this big water we're going to fish. Oh, it, it won't take long. I, that one Ken, that FLW Ken Howden one. I took the, I put the wrap on the week before and it took off in that term. It took off my wrap. I got fourth place and it took, took the whole wrap off. I had to have a rewrap. So yeah, those are not forgiving trees out there. It's hilarious. Yeah. Some of them have just the gnarliest thorns, man. And you don't really, you know, you're focused on making the next cast. You don't realize until your boat swallowed up. Right. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, uh, now that you're living in Tennessee, man, uh, on the guiding side, do you, how do you like guiding in Tennessee compared to, uh, I know you didn't do a ton of it in Arizona, but you did, you did it on and off over all the years. Like, uh, do you think it's, uh, do you think it's easier to guide in Arizona or Tennessee? I, I'd have to say here, I, cause I can walk down to my dock and go pick up the guy. That's easy. Yeah. I, no driving an hour, no driving to Roosevelt or two hours. And you know, their fishing was probably better at times out in Arizona, but you know, usually guide trips, you just want them to catch something and you can always catch something on one bar. So I like it that way. Um, it's also, you have to have a captain's license here. So there's not really any competition. I don't have many, many guys guiding here. I do guide on chick, Chickamauga, the next thing that has a lot of guides, but, uh, you know, either one, I mean, it's just, it's easier out here cause you're not traveling as far. I mean, I'm going out my back door. How hard is it to get a captain's license? Was it quite the process? No, it's just a matter of going to the school. It's basically a 10-day school and just putting your time, and they teach you the test. I mean, it's – and then it's a lot of payments, and it's a lot of paperwork and stuff like that. But, you know, it took me about six months. But, yeah, it's it's just a lot of garbage to get there. But once you get there, it's, it's nice to have. And and is it um, – not that I'm trying to get one right now or anything. I'm just curious. Like, uh, is it something that you have for your whole life? Do you have to renew it every year? Do you ever have to retest or no? You don't have to retest, but every five years you have to renew it. 
And so it's very important to renew it. If you, if you miss that five year, mm. you have to retake it. So yeah, you, it's very important once you get it just to renew it every four and a half years and then you're good. And, you know, it allows you to guide on the Colorado river, which is something I'm looking into for next year or the year after for the, for the springtime, you know, or for the winter time out there. So it just be, it's just a good thing to have uh, if you're going to do guiding like I am and, and works out good. That'd be super that cool. Mean, Go ahead, Rob. Does that mean, does that mean you guys are going to become snowbirds and be down here in the winter time or what? If we could figure out the school thing with TJ, we probably would do it already. Amy already wants to. Yep. She wants to be out of here in the winter and in Arizona in the winter. So, uh, yeah, we're trying to figure it out. But, you know, there's when you have an only son, it, school is a pretty important thing. So we're, we're going to get there, yep. but I don't know when. <laughs> right on. That sounds like the perfect scenario for sure. Yeah, that'd so be nice. So, John, I know we kind of stepped forward in time, but if we could take another step back, I for whatever reason, I'm always – like fascinated when Rob tells stories about the era when when pros would share the boat and you know they'd have their half of the day do you have any I mean this is totally off the cuff so if you if you blink no worries but do you have any funny experiences or stories where you guys had to like arm wrestle or like Indian leg wrestle <laughs> to figure out who gets the their boat and the trolley motor and if, if you're trying to arm wrestle how, or fight how, Murray you're an idiot for yeah, the boat, not going well. Murray the boat. <laughs> how, how about two nightmare stories okay oh please, please. Bassmaster, Bassmaster first came out west i was under a lot of pressure to win a Bassmaster term because i won everything else i never won a Bassmaster. and two i led i led orville and i led elephant butte going in the last day and both times i drew a guy in the top three boat on oh. boat. both <laughs> times oh. and the one time at orville i had a two pound lead and the guy caught a limit behind me and he was in third he pulled me off my fish to go fish his, put me in the middle of the lake, and I end up no. with only three fish. Uh, and Aaron no. Martin pulled onto my spot when I left. He goes, bro, why'd you leave? Aaron <laughs> caught like 22 off it. And I'm like, <laughs> if I'd have drawn any, anybody of those two guys on both those, I'd have won both those Bassmaster events. And it, to this day, makes me sick to my stomach to think purely a random draw. And I don't blame the guys in third. He's trying to beat me. I mean, he's playing the game like it's being played. I should have just been able to draw a co-angler or someone that wasn't lead, you know, in the top three. Yeah, dude, that's a nightmare. You're right. What 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 was Two the next? Them. What was the next like four hours just floating in the middle of the wake, lake, watching it all just go down? Were <laughs> you just like glaring at him the whole time, like trying to throw his uh, lunch I, in I the lake that, or something? The one guy I hate to this day, and he <laughs> never did anything wrong to me. But if I saw him, I would I would hate him to this day. <laughs> funny, man. Oh man, they need to do like a retro circuit where that's part of it. I know it's so unfeasible with, you know, sponsorship and, you know, things like that, but that dynamic just, I don't know, man, it just intrigues me. I think there's something really funny about that. Imagine the TV that would make. Oh, right. Dude, I, I took my, when I was 18, I took my bass boat to the U S open and for four days, I never got to use it. I always do someone the first day I drew a guy that was supposedly good and he sucked and I never got to use my boat well so, and I as mean, a kid had, no one's respecting you right you have no respect yeah and i was always the fair guy i'm like well he's older he you know he's you know i never was aggressive on you know i'm better than you type of stuff but yeah i mean it was it was a night literal nightmare i never really <laughs> I, I i i feel a lot of tournaments slip through my hands because i i you know those kind of situations so yeah but yeah that was part so, of the game you had to play it that way 
John, that was in the U.S. Open, huh? They did boat on boat in the U.S. Open early on? Yeah. The, really? the, the early U.S. Opens were straight. Uh, it lasted quite a while until U.S. Bass took it over, and then they found out okay. how good, you know, non-boaters work. But, yeah, it was boat on boat, and everybody pretty much brought a boat. I mean, right. period. And I learned a lot. I knew some guys of the second year that were really good, and I learned a lot. But, man, that first year was horrible. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> I, so, I don't think – sorry, Josh. I don't think I'd have the courage. I, I mean, I, in a competition I would, but it would. I would be, like, sweating and feeling nervous if I knew that I had the second half of the day and I put the – I, if I was icing my competition like that, like, I don't know what I would do for four hours there, dude. I'd be like looking the other way, like trying to pretend like I was asleep. I don't know something. Well, well I, the, the, the Bassmaster event, I was going to make my first Bassmaster classic. I needed one big fish. The last day I was going to make my first Bassmaster classic. I drew Don Iovino, which was fine. My boat had broke. I'd, I'd taken two boats to Powell. Both of them broke. So I had to go non-boater. And I had a bite on a rock, and I, you know, turned around and threw in and caught it when I missed it. And it was a five-pounder, and he had one of the biggest stringers, and I missed the classic by a few places. <laughs> Wonderful. That was That's just game. great. Oh. Yeah, I, to this day, I'm like, that was my Bassmaster Classic. And I, by the time I'd reeled in and pulled my he'd thrown in there and caught that thing. <laughs> yeah, so like you keep saying, I mean, it's the game you play to it. And, and obviously, horrible is it, it's horrible to be the bridesmaid multiple times like you were. But that just creates such a dynamic of like, I don't know, just like drama and suspense. It's from the spectator perspective, it's fascinating. Hey, I drew Mark Davis in a term on Mead uh, site tournament. And I'm watching the fish suck in his bait. And he didn't have glass. He couldn't see. <laughs> he couldn't see. Anymore. He's like, that fish got it. I'm like, no. No, no, he doesn't. Then it'd be my turn. And I mean, I, I played the game. I'm like, no, he doesn't have it. He had it all the way down. He spit he it out. And I it there his, his anal vent. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we would stand shoulder to shoulder on the front deck and sight fish, and you talk about a nightmare. Each guy made a cast, and then the next one. If you missed it, you were probably screwed the next cast. Whoa, uh, so you would alternate casts on bedfish. That's crazy. Alternate casts, yes. Dude, I'm the Angler's Happy Hour is going to start a like a reunion tour where we get like people that have to fish in those conditions with a with a TV camera on it because I could only imagine the interactions and how how that goes. I'd get pushed around. I guarantee it, dude. Me I would too. have to literally yeah. go to some toughness training to be able to handle. <laughs> you know now why Kevin Van Dam was the dominant force back then. He never let right. any of that affect him. The psychology Ever. that he has, yeah, makes sense. Yeah. And he was on the offense and, and never doing anything shady at all, but he had that Tiger Woods type offensive mindset always. And I mean, man, you'd see the guys just start to crumble when he was in the top 10 with him. It was unbelievable. Just like golf with Tiger. Right. Yep. Same mental games. And that was big part of our game back in the day, you know. Josh, remember the uh, story you told? I think it was at Falcon, one of your first elite tournaments when he ran that that uh, really shallow flat and then cut in front of you, but didn't fish your spot. I mean, just like those examples of like that, that edginess. Oh yeah. He's just, just to he, show you. Yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> remember that John, he just was like, Hey, I, I just want you to know that I could have, if I wanted to, and I'm the man, but I'm not, I'm not that kind of guy. So I'm not going to do it, you know, but it was just like, wow. <laughs> but then, then the seeds are in your mind, right? Like it's just an effective strategy. I can't do that, dude. Like you said, toughness training, I'll be right behind you in that school, man. I'm, I'm as soft as a wet noodle. <laughs> <laughs> and it's worse as you get older than fortunately. Oh, no, that's not good. Old, you know? 
That's I mean, I just don't care anymore, you know? But yeah, yeah I mean, even <laughs> as a kid, I was pretty good, but not, not like now. <laughs> Well, uh, man, John, we appreciate it big time. We've already been, we've had you for 30 minutes here, so we'll, we'll let you roll. But, uh, do, hey, do you guys have any last questions or anything to say before, uh, we let them bounce? I just want to say thanks to John. It's good talking to you, man. It's been a long time. So yeah, it's good to hear from you guys. And anytime we'll, we'll catch up. That's awful good. And hopefully I'll be out there next year and calling you Hey, I'm going to be guiding out here. So we'll see. That'd be great. Cool, hopefully man. we great. can send a bunch of Havasu guys your way, man. And, uh, man, That's yeah, great. I'm stoked. Stoked to see you next week. Uh, say hi to the family and um, yeah, en- enjoy the rest of the weekend, John. We can't tell you how much we appreciate it. those stories. Were were awesome. All right, guys. See you, buddy. See you Thanks. soon. Talk to you Bye. soon. See Thanks again for listening to the podcast, guys. John is such a great guy, and we feel so fortunate to know him. Again, happy Memorial Day weekend from all of us, and we'll talk to you next week. Take care. <laughs>